Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a show dedicated to helping you escape diet culture, gain trust with food, honor your body, and live a brighter life. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Kitchen Table. I'm your host, Alicia Brown, and today I am very excited. We have Demi Emick here. Oh, and we're going to have a great episode on discovering more about the mind-body connection. Demi Emick is a co-creator and blogger at GoBucketYourself.com. I did not swear there. Go Bucket, <laughs> B-U-C-K-E-T. I don't generally swear. GoBucketYourself.com. She is co-host of the One Life Live It podcast. She lives on the plains of southeastern Colorado with her husband, $2, Denali the dog, and her six chickens. I love that picture. (laughs) Um, When she's not traveling in the mountains, the beach, or Spanish-speaking countries, you'll find her there in her sunroom or on her back porch sipping hot tea. We have Debbie on today because she is going to talk to us about her journey to discovering the mind-body connection to healing chronic illness. She published a book that just came out in February of this year. It's called The Other Side of Perfect, Discovering the Mind-Body Connection to healing chronic illness. So Debbie, thank you so much for being here at the show today. Oh, thank you for that nice introduction. I'm just so happy to be at the table today and having this nice connection and conversation with you. That's what the table is all about. It's really connection and conversation and helping each other really learn from the stories that we have that get us to really understand ourselves more, connect with our purpose and live bigger, bolder and brighter lives. Your Mm -hmm. book, The other side of perfect, I mean, it sings to me because a lot of people here at the table, we are perfectionists. We live busy lives. We're type A. We like lists. We like structure. But we've been burned by the structure that diet culture has given us. It separated us from really connecting ourselves to who we are. And you have a similar story with that through your journey of discovering health on your own terms through battling chronic illness. What prompted you to write this book and to share your story. And could you share it briefly with us today? Sure. I will try to get from A to B as briefly as I can. But um, about 10 years ago, after the birth of my youngest daughter, I just had some continuous health issues that were interfering with my daily life that would not go away. And so that started this Uh, long and winding road to autoimmune disease diagnosis and treatment. And at one point I was taking nine different prescription medications three times a day and feeling awful. And so um, it took some time, but eventually I began taking back my power one bit at a time, right? So uh, working on food was one of the first things I did. And then... um, exercise and eliminating toxicity in my environment and the products I used. And eventually I had this conversation with my rheumatologist that led me to think if I step away from my job, I had a 14 year career in classroom teaching. And I thought if I quit my job, I'll eliminate all my stress and I will magically get better. And it wasn't until I did that, I stepped away from my job. I found myself in this deep, dark hole. Um, I had done everything I knew to get better. And here I was at the lowest point I had ever been at, still sick, still tired, still in pain and not knowing what to do next. And so my next steps were just like clawing my way out of that and hopes of never going back. Um, really at that point, just 
for my daughters who I did find a worthiness in, right? I wanted to break cycles and not start new ones. And what happened as I began to work on my mental, emotional health was this pain that I had carried in my body for years started to lift and eventually leave. And so I couldn't deny this connection between uh, my mind and my body, my mental, emotional health and my physical health. And that just kept me on this road to keep going until kind of to tie it back to the kitchen table. What I found was um, that I had used these, these coping mechanisms of perfectionism and people pleasing to never deal with this like repressed emotions, repressed trauma that I had. And in doing so, as the years went on, I just got better and better at doing those things, right? And so everything I did to heal before realizing that and learning to be authentic and vulnerable and shed those coping mechanisms just allowed me to ramp it up a bit, right? So I could get perfect at my food until I over-controlled it, uh, until I was not eating enough food, you know, and really limiting what I did eat. Um, I could get perfect at my exercise until I was almost punishing myself with the kind of exercise I was doing, the amount of it that I was doing. So true healing for me, you know, it involved all of those things, but I couldn't really do any of that until I could shed those coping mechanisms and begin to use food in a loving way to nurture myself and my body and use exercise in a loving way to care for myself as well. So that's the short the short spiel of it. It's so inspiring how you found yourself in like that really dark place, but you found your way out of it. And as you were finding your way out of it, you found more ways of deeper connecting with yourself and, and with your purpose, it seems as well. It also seems like you're talking about the coping mechanisms that you had at the time being your relationship with food and your relationship with movement being like, you tried to be so perfect with the food and mm -hmm. exercise. So, you know, diligently, you know, with all of your willpower and determination, whatever it takes, you know, to get that mm -hmm. workout in, it seems like you did that until you hit this breaking point. Can you explain how that was like a part of your healing journey was kind of like recovering these relationships with, with food mm -hmm. and with movement? Sure. I mean, in retrospect, I can look back at times in my life when things got really rough and I didn't. So this is like back to that repressed trauma, repressed emotions. Um, I, at the time I didn't have any control or say in my life, I was very young. And so I, I look back now and I see that I over controlled my food then to a punishing extent. And so now coming like through this, I can see that um, when things get tough, this is a way that I tend to control myself, uh, my self-perception, uh, a way to sort of numb away um, some pain rather than deal with it, right? Emotional pain or whatever the pain is. Um, and it's a way that I can control other people's perceptions of me. And so there's a lot of ways that shows up in my life, uh, but it just happened to, as I was trying to heal, continue to show up in over-controlling my food and over-controlling my, my exercise, my physical movement. And so, um, yeah, when I started to heal, I really couldn't find a worthiness in myself, but like I said, I found that in my daughters. And so as I kept working towards more 
mental, emotional health. I kept peeling back the layers of perfectionism and people pleasing. What happened was I saw, I became conscious to this connection of my own self-worth, my own self-love, and then my actions and behavior and how that affected other people around me. So that um, in extension, if I wasn't loving myself, what I was doing for my daughters was just more of do as I say, not as I do. Right. And so I had to really begin to develop a self-worth and a self-love so that I could actually be who I wanted my daughters to be, show them who I, you know, how I wanted to show up in the world, who I thought would be healthy for them to show up. And so I started taking care of myself in a way that allowed that self-worth and that love to come in. And when I did that, I could see um, the way I was punishing or controlling myself or trying to control the perceptions of others through not just food and exercise, but definitely through those things. And so then it became a point of trusting and trying to access and grow my own intuition so that I could step toward what was loving, what was caring for my body, right? That was the ultimate goal healing and health. And so, um, just beginning to listen to my own intuition, to trust it, to step toward it and just trying to do things from a different perspective. It seems like you've lived a portion of your life, especially when you were very sick with this autoimmune condition. It seems like at that point of your life that you were maybe disconnected from your body in some way, and that you've reconnected with your body by discovering self-worth and self-love in a new way that then transpired into the greater health that you were actually achieving. So instead of going right to tackling the health, it's almost like you had to find the self-worth in yourself, not only in your daughters, but in yourself. And then the health followed. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that, that sounds like a good summary. Um, I would, I would definitely say I was out of touch with my body. I mean, there was this very uh, like Western medicine, pragmatic side of me that felt like if a doctor told me it was in my mind or it was stress, uh, that they were saying there wasn't something wrong with me, right? And so um, for me to have this physical pain in my body, and realize that that pain could be caused by emotional pain that had been going on um, was a big leap that at first felt like magical and mystical. And then eventually, you know, I read a lot and I was just like maybe synchronistically led toward certain authors. Um, But if you read the works of like Gabor Mate and When the Body Says No and Bessel van der Kolk in The Body Keeps the Score, you learn what effect the um, nervous system has on your chronic health or chronic disease, right? And so I was able to sort of put all of those things together and see how uh, my body being in fight or flight mode for so long had led to these chronic conditions in my body, at least contributed, and, and begin to learn how to calm my nervous system so that it could do those other functions that my body was just not doing, which were like rest, digest and heal. Right. And so the more I did that, yeah, I believe that that was just like this. It just happened to also help me get in tune with my body because there was no other way. So, um, you know, meditation, journaling, uh, 
doing those things that calm our nervous system also put me in touch with these other things from my past, as well as what it felt like in my body, um, in those different states and how to calm it. Did I get around to the answer of your question? Yeah, absolutely. And I certainly agree with, you know, like this concept of the nervous system and regulating the nervous system in your response. What tipped you off to exploring that? I think so often we live disconnected from our bodies, right? And we are Mm -hmm. experiencing trauma without realizing it, right? Like when we're in it, we're just on autopilot, especially if, if we're disconnected, we can't sense it. You mentioned earlier that even with your relationship with food, that maybe even before this illness, that it maybe was punishing. And maybe that was even tied to your identity, something super common that I know I, myself, I struggled with and a lot of clients that I've worked with as well. What was the shift for you? Like, how did you shift toward being in this fight or flight state to finding yourself actually able to switch over to the rest and digest to start your healing journey? This is kind of a funny story. Um, so part of my like magic bullet theories or just like looking for the thing that's going to heal me, you know, was, um, trying to find all the best supplements and take the right supplements. And so, I mean, gratefully, there were a lot of things happening in my life, just like I said, synchronistically, so that I was getting a lot of information at the same time and trying to use all of that information. And so one of those things was uh, learning about the connection between our gut health and our overall health. And I was so confused by probiotics, but I knew I needed a probiotic. And that was probably going to be the thing that really did it for me. And so I went to this chiropractor, I'm using air quotes, and I just told her, I just need a probiotic. Can you recommend one? I'm confused by the different prices and choices and which one I sh- you know, should take. Just give me a probiotic. And she kind of, she was like, "Mm, okay, slow down a minute. Let's talk about what's really going on. And she kind of saw through this like facade um, that I walked around with. And for, you know, the best word I think is unawareness or unconsciousness. I was unaware of these coping mechanisms, unconscious to my behavior, routines and patterns. And so rather than just give me a probiotic, she wanted to do some somatic healing work with me, some energy healing work. And I already told you at that point, I was very like, "Mm, you have an MD after your name or, uh, you know, this doesn't seem like this seems hokey. And so, yeah, yeah, I went out looking for skeptics. That's exactly what I did. I went to my husband. I was like, she wants to do this thing. And it sounds weird to me. I probably shouldn't do that. Right. I went to a good friend and they were both like, you've tried everything else. I don't know why you wouldn't try it. And so it was that I went back and I, I just was like checking boxes. I'm going to do it. Cause she said to do it. It's probably not going to help like these other things. And, um, it opened up this piece in me, just this tied relationship to, to my past and my emotional health and where I was at today. And, um, it wasn't like overnight, but it was a matter of maybe three months, whereas I had been like trying to heal for about seven plus years now that I started to feel this pain leave my body um, and slowly go away. And so it was undeniable. And I would say that that is the first real thing I had to keep me going. Uh, it didn't do all the work for me. Right. So then I, I was also reading about meditation and trying meditation, reading about journaling and trying that. Um, 
just becoming aware of what was going on in my relationships and in my own behaviors and routines that, um, that caused this fight or flight mode so often. And, and I think that's really what we have control over is awareness. So once that awareness seeps in, just beginning to be the noticer of that. And then uh, without judging or trying to change or suppress. And when we can just notice, then we can sort of write a new story about how we want to move forward. And that's what I did. I just slowly unwound from those things that kept me, you know, at a high level with my nervous system so that um, I could calm it as much as I could and move forward from a more aware state and a calmer state. Who supported you through this? Was it mainly the work of the somatic practitioner who said, hey, uh, probiotics, yeah, but there maybe could be some deeper work here? Was she like a guiding light for you during that time? Or was there any other support that kind of helped you again, kind of reconnect with yourself and heal? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, she was definitely a huge um, you know, a huge support, a big help. And ultimately the person that showed me this connection. Uh, but luckily for me, um, I'm really grateful that my husband sort of came along with me and was willing to support me and do his own work to do that. Right. We have been in relationships since we were very young, very teenagers. And so there were definitely bits of this uh, codependency with that relationship. And so it took me being really vulnerable and open and honest and saying, this is what I'm starting to know about myself. And this is what I think is going to happen if I don't fix it. And this is what I need to do to get better. And I need you to help me and support me. And so there were a lot of uncomfortable, um, tearful conversations, um, you know, moments of creating and like setting and, and holding boundaries that I hadn't, or we hadn't before, but, um, gratefully he has come along with me and we still have that good relationship, you know, and other relationships, to be honest, when you're, you're choosing to let go of perfectionism and people pleasing the relationships that are based on those tendencies, uh, really don't survive. Right. And so some relationships stepped out, but that left room for me to seek, create deeper, more authentic connections with other people that could sort of show me a map to who I wanted to be and become and where I wanted to go and support me along the way. And so, um, that took a, a, a conscious effort to seek out and develop those relationships, but definitely they're there now um, where I can be authentic and vulnerable and open. Yeah. That's really beautiful that you found that support through this mm. somatic practitioner and also your husband. And, and you were also like, it seems like in the driver's seat in a different way, like you saw more clearly maybe in those three months that you mentioned that like you needed to do some healing work and you had some clarity around that and were able to ask for the support that you need. And maybe to get to that point of being open, kind of being in like what you call like the Western treatment, healthcare mindset of being like cause and effect, treat the symptom. It seemed like 
you had some clarity about like the root cause and you've exhausted all other options. I know a lot of people here at the kitchen table, they have like exhausted the options of dieting. You know, before, before we hit record, we talked about like Gwyneth Paltrow's new diet, right? Mm -hmm. And there's so many, we, we could go back to South Beach. There's been diets. I mean, definitely mainstream since the fifties and sixties we're inundated with diets. And sometimes mm -hmm. it takes this point in our lives to say, I'm not, going to try another one. I've tried everything else. I've exhausted the list. I need something radically different. Do you think that that was a little bit of what prompted you to maybe be open to some of these different treatment modalities? Because I think a lot of people are like, nope, I just put all my trust in healthcare. I just need a prescription. I just want to keep going with my life the way it is. I don't want to do the deeper work. If I have trauma, leave it be. I'm not ready to face it, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, totally warranted. It's really hard to face the inner deeper stuff. It's why I'm not the dietitian for everybody. It requires this work, right? Mm -hmm. But how, how are you yeah. open to trying something so different? I think you're right in saying I had tried everything else. And ultimately now I see that as very superficial because none of it was truly healing until I could get to the core of how I was showing up in the world and why, right? But I had checked all the boxes. And there's also this piece of me um, that starts to recognize and, and see in what you're saying, there's an in-between, right? Like, um, I don't know if it's like this in all medical fields and certainly things are changing in the specialties of the doctors that I see. But um, at this point, I have a rheumatologist, a pulmonologist and a cardiologist. And only one of those doctors has ever said, yes, diet, like nutrition, not a diet, but yeah. nutrition and your health have a connection. Mm -hmm. um, the other specialists had said like, oh, you can try stuff, but it probably won't do anything. Right. So in my mind, I could see like, okay, uh, there's gotta be an in-between between like eating food that I know doesn't care for and love my body and restricting my food so much that I'm probably malnourished, right? There's yeah. gotta be something healthy in the middle yeah. and the healthier and more conscious I got, again, the more aware I was able to see like, oh, I'm over controlling this and why am I over controlling it? And um, just to go back to the, like, I tried everything doing that just helped me realize there's not one magic bullet, right? There's not one right way and one wrong way. Uh, um, you know, the Western medicine and ancient holistic, whatever you want to call it, medicine, it's not right and wrong. Like these things can flow together and work together. And so now I just see it as a balance. Um, you know, they do flow together. They do work together. I'm grateful for the specialists that I have. And I have one really good doctor that talks about a lot of things other than medication. Um, and I, I do require a couple of prescriptions to help keep my immune system under control. But at the same time, I know that none of that will really help if I'm not uh, doing these things we've talked about in my environment for my nervous system, loving and caring for my body in that way. So, so yeah, I think you're right to say like, it was years of work and effort for me, a lot of trying everything and yeah. still coming to this deep place. And um, just so so grateful to have these people put in my path to help, you know, continue showing me the work and the way for sure.
How does perfectionism and people pleasing make their way into the conversation about health? Can you talk on Mm. that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for me, what had happened was as I was very young, preteen and early teens, um, I had some things happen in my life that, um, I'm fine to get into, but I don't know that it really serves the purpose of this conversation. Just to say that we don't really get to adulthood without experiencing something, right? Some kind of trauma. Uh, And the personality style that I had developed because of that was was this people-pleasing perfecting. And so that's number one, how I allowed myself to never do that deeper work, never deal with the stuff that I had never talked about. We had never gone into. It was just like a very superficial forgive and move on. I'm a positive person. Um, Mm. and it, it helped me also, like I've said, control people's, people's perceptions of me. So I never had to really show them those sides of myself either. And so, uh, what happened, the older I got, the better I got, the more perfectionist I became, right. That goes into my appearance, the work I do, Um, and, and you can see how food and exercise go into appearance, right. Um, and people pleasing to me was just very related to that because, um, perfecting for me was to show others who I was from this very superficial outward place. So never did I believe I was perfect. No one else did either, but I showed up in the world the way I thought that they wanted me to, um, until I was in that really dark place where I was like, I I don't even know what I want. I don't even know what, who who I am because I only know what I think others want me to be, what I think others want me to do. Um, and so to get healthy, right. Just meant sort of actually dealing with those, that trauma, those repressed emotions that I never had because I was this positive, like forgiven, move on person and get really real so that I could discover like who I was under that, um, what I wanted and tap into my own intuition, which we've talked about a little bit. Um, and so getting to know myself meant doing that, but really true healing couldn't come unless I could let go of the perfectionism and the people pleasing so that I could develop my own love and worthiness for myself and then do the things to heal in a loving, caring way for myself. Does that answer that question? Does that make sense? So beautifully. And I'm putting my mindset in my past self when I had a poor relationship with food and everybody here at the table too, there might be some friction in our relationship with food. And it's because we worry so much about our reputation. We want other people to perceive us as healthy. We want them to know that we really care about the foods that we eat with the addition of like, you know, weight stigma for us that live in larger bodies, there's like this thought that we have to be extra careful about the foods Mm -hmm. we consume because of our body size. There's a lot of people pleasing rooted in our dieting efforts. Mm -hmm. And so I could just see for so many of us right now that there's a light bulb going off saying like, wow, perfectionism and people pleasing, knowing that they're for many of us in regards to our food and body stuff rooted in diet culture Mm-hmm. you're an inspiration because it's like, you've, you've done it. You've unraveled that people pleasing tendency mm-hmm. and this perfectionism ideal to get back to who you are. How did that change your life? 
Oh, well, thank you for those kind words. Um, how did that change my life? Sorry, my mind was just rolling on all of those things that you said. So yeah. I just want to note real quick that like, yeah. um, I watched this Ted talk by Glennon Doyle, which really gave me that aha of like not separating my coping mechanisms from other people's coping mechanisms. So that might be alcoholism or drug abuse for some people, um, which are not socially acceptable. I chose things that were socially acceptable because they made me feel in control. And that's how I felt in control. Right. And so disordered eating, I would say went along with that people pleasing perfectionism thing. And just being able to realize like, aha, this is how I'm numbing. This is how I'm coping, which was a total aha to me. Um, it did help me unravel that and sort of move away from numbing and coping, which as you already said, it's a deeper work and it's hard work. I can't numb myself from it anymore, but it was totally necessary because I could see where that darkness led. And so how has it changed my life is just the way I show up in the world. The, the work I do now is completely different, right? Um, I believe I still can serve the world and serve people, but I can do it from this sense of like, my cup is so full now with love and worth. I mean, hopefully that's the ideal, right? There's really no arriving. I'm still working on it. But when my cup is so full, it spills over so that it can help others. Then that's true work. That's me truly showing up in the world rather than doing it from a sense of obligation or being a martyr or resenting it because I'm doing this for other people. And so um, being vulnerable and authentic means like, uh, sometimes I fail. Sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I look ridiculous or I I'm embarrassed. Um, I'm putting things out into the world and they might not, you know, be super successful, but, um, at least I'm doing that, you know, rather than getting up every day, uh, putting my head down, working hard, waiting for retirement or, or whatever it is like someday. Um, now I'm really able to show up uh, more authentically and maybe much more aligned than I ever was before to a purpose that, um, that keeps me from that darkness that sort of leads to the light, hopefully for others as well. Yeah. That's so inspiring. I think a lot of us, when we're in that perfectionist and people pleasing mentality, that's yes, just like in, in your experience, right? Like can take a toll on our physical health. And of course our mental and emotional health, when we're wrapped up in that it's hard to like see the light and it's really hard to show up authentically. Mm-hmm. So it's like when we do do the deeper work and we're able to reconnect with ourselves, we can live life from more of a heart centered place. Mm-hmm. And so all of that deeper work, as much as I say, oh, there's, there's so much work to do. I mean, it's possible, right? It's, it's really possible to strengthen the connection with your mind and your body. I think a lot of people, like you were saying, and maybe like, yourself, you were skeptical before. It's like, oh, you know, that seems a little bit taboo. That seems a little bit woo-woo. And I'm not a really woo-woo kind of person. I'm a very faith-based person, but not a woo-woo kind of person. Mm -hmm. But it seems like doing some kind of work in the self-discovery realm paid off. What is something that you might recommend to somebody else right now that's like 
head down waiting for retirement, disconnected from their body, unhappy with their current life, struggling physically, mentally, and emotionally in some way, seeing this impact their relationships, seeing this impact their work life, what is like the first step that you would recommend for somebody to do right now to start that journey of doing that deeper work to strengthen their mind-body connection, which for them right now might not even exist at all? Mm -hmm. I just want to say, like we have said, this is hard work and deeper work. Um, And I affirm that, you know, I wouldn't want to like say like, oh, this is easy. This is simple. But ultimately it's just... um, whatever we're denying and trying not to deal with, right? Uh, Just putting it out there and being open and honest about it isn't changing anything except our own uh, perspective from coming to it, right? What I had been putting off for years dealing with um, essentially was just the truth and just saying the truth and letting it get out there. It it was still the truth. Right. And so I think we make it harder than it needs to be by putting it off for so long, first of all. Um, okay. So let me get to the question though. Um, my best advice is something that's totally free and it's really just awareness. So first step is just awareness. So being the noticer, not the judger of the mental chatter uh, the stories you're telling yourself, right? So if you can just be the observer, kind of the high level, your best self looking down on yourself and begin to notice what's going on in your mind. Cause when there's silence and there's space, um, especially if we're at a place of unawareness, um, our mind will fill it up with all of this stuff. And most often I've found, at least for me, it's not true right? So it, it's things that are like, I have to do this. I have this much to do. I have to get it done by this. I can't do this because of the, whatever these stories are, we tell ourselves and just noticing it and being able to be the noticer helps you then detach from it. So for me and my particular health issues and where I was at in my life, detaching for me sounded like I am not my body. I am not my diagnosis. I am not my pain. I am not my mom. I'm not my dad. I am not any of these roles I've identified with. And so first awareness, just noticing, not trying to change or judge, and then detaching from that um, allows you to envision for yourself where it is you want to go, what stories you want to be hearing, and begin to rewrite those stories as you detach from the ones that you have been sharing. Did everyone just like write that down somewhere? (laughs) Um, I think it's really amazing what you said about the truth and having the truth be way less scary once you come to terms with it. It's like, oh, and our avoidance of the truth of who we are, like even the truth of discovering that like, oh, perfectionism and people pleasing are holding me back from living the life that I want. It's like all of that work got to that nugget that like magic bullet that's that I can do something with this now there's like mm-hmm. there's an opportunity there's a like you said like an opportunity to envision your life differently because your perception of it has completely changed and our perception is our reality yes and exactly. that's really beautiful 
Um, Again, like your story is so inspiring. And I don't think that the truth has to be so scary. And, and I'm glad also that there was support for you in that process. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people feel really alone in their efforts, truly, Mm -hmm. like, especially in their health pursuits. And I know for us at the kitchen table, it's like the food and body stuff. What we think is like so wrapped up in the fear and the anxiety and frustration. We think that we're the only ones dealing with this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then we come to the kitchen table and realize that the truth of the fear of it all is something actually that's part of the common humanity and especially common from a lot, uh, common for a lot of us with chronic illness as you and I share. Mm -hmm. And also for people that struggle with disordered eating and food and body stuff that prevents them from living a purposeful life. And you know, what's so true. I'm sorry, but just to go off of that, like the more open and honest and vulnerable we are with ourselves and with our stories with each other, the more you begin to realize you're not alone. So like for the longest time, I had these hushed whispered conversations about what I was going through medically. And when I finally started to talk about it, and not hide it under shame, which by the way, just like shame just grows and grows in the dark. Right. And so when I let it out, um, so many people came to me and it doesn't matter if you have a diagnosis, chronic illness, autoimmune disease, uh, they were tired and burned out and sick and in pain and just needed some help and some answers. And so that's part of, you know, the inspiration for writing the book for sure. Um, but it's just more motivation to just like, don't hide, you know, that's not going to help. There's so many of us out there going through the same thing. And at the very least we can be a support for each other. And just one little last thing. Cause I, I, I think that's what you were asking. Yes, um, sometimes I think what gets in the way of us making steps toward where we want to go is seeing the end product that we want and not knowing how to get there. And so for me, it was just a matter of knowing the one next step, which was often a very tiny itty bitty thing. Right. And once I've taken that one next tiny step, I can adjust. It may have been the wrong step. So I go back and I try something else. It may have been the right step and it shows me the next step after that. So I don't need to know all the steps. I just need to know that one, right? If I'm on the couch and I can't even get off the couch, how am I going to get to this picture that I have for myself? That's not going to help. I just want to know the one next step, which may just be getting up off the couch for a little bit, you know? So anyway, that's my last little tidbit to throw in. I love that. Thank you so much for that. We have to build trust with ourselves. We have to actually like say, like we've done something, good job for doing the thing. Now try the next thing. And it might be trial and error and we might mess up. Heck, we might fall completely flat on our face. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, again, like it, then they start intuitive eating. They're like, oh, I've tried everything else. So I just try this too. Yeah. Actually, but this also might be the thing. It might be the thing that you've really been looking for without knowing it. And so I love that you took a risk connected with yourself, wrote a book. Is there anything that you want to share with the audience about your book or about what they might discover from the book? They've gleaned so much insight from you. They might also have perfectionist and people pleasing tendencies. I don't know. I sure do. Mm-hmm. Anything else that they might discover in the book, kind of like leaping off from our conversation today as we conclude our episode. Sure. Thank you. So the book is really what we've been talking about, but essentially it's Uh, The idea that I began as this wild self 
and slowly like built these layers around me um, and got away from that. And it's how I got back to that wild self, just found myself again by peeling that back and, and found health through doing so. And so the second half of the book has some journal prompts for the reader that hopefully whatever you're going through or whatever you've been like waiting to deal with, uh, the ultimate hope of the book is that it could take you through that healing and at least help you start. Um, and so if you were to go to gobucketyourself.com forward slash books, you can also find a 30 day companion journal that, that might also help in your own healing. So, that's the ultimate goal of the book um, and the idea of the book. And hopefully it can help anyone who's listening. Uh, chronic illness, autoimmune disease, or those people pleasers, perfectionists out there um, struggling in some way. Hopefully it could help them find their own healing as well. Anywhere you want to direct them to connect with you. Maybe they have a question. Maybe they'd like to reach out further. Is there any way that they could connect with you? Yes, I would love it if you would reach out. I um, mostly hang out on Instagram at imperfectprogress.me. So I am the letter I and M perfectprogress.me. I would respond to any message I get there. Or you can go to gobucketyourself.com and shoot me an email and I'd be happy to, to chat with you in that way too. Wonderful. Thank you so much for all of your time and your sharing, Debbie, today. I think this podcast episode really inspired everyone to consider doing some of the deeper work and taking the first little micro mini step, to mm -hmm. seeing if it grants any expansion in their life and to keep going on their own journey. So thank you so much for your inspiration and your insight as we're all wanting for, oh, we all want to live more authentic, heart-centered, purpose-driven lives. And this is one of the ways that we can go about that. Thank you so much for everybody listening right now here at the kitchen table. If there's somebody in your life right now that you think really needs to hear this message, maybe you know that they're going through, they're going through something medically or like their physical or mental or emotional health is off the rails right now. And you know that they're in a deep or dark place, maybe shoot them this podcast episode so they can be inspired to know that there's a way out potentially through this mind body connection. If you think they might be open to that screenshot this episode and share with them or share it on social media, you can tag me at aliciabrown.rdn. And also while you have your phone out, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode every Monday and Thursday at the kitchen table. Debbie Emick, thank you so much for being here with us today. And for everybody else listening, have a wonderful Thursday. Mm -hmm.